today I want to talk with you about the word trust. Have you ever thought about that word? How we use that word? You know, we say things like we build trust or you have to earn trust or we give away our trust or we even maybe sometimes say things like we lose trust. It's an interesting word. I also was wondering this weekend, how many of you have a friend who has ever tried to get you to do something really stupid? Any of you have that kind of friend? They always have some crazy harebrained idea and they're trying to convince you to do the thing with them. And maybe they say th something to you like, come on, just trust me. I have one of those friends. I won't tell you her name, but she is on a mission to get me to go surfing with her. And she keeps saying to me, Carissa, just trust me. I look at her and I go, this isn't about trusting you. I don't trust the sharks. I mean, I've seen the movie Jaws. It does not end well. Now, I know that's fiction, but reality is we were hiking, my husband and I, at Torrey Pines a couple of months ago. Have any of you ever hiked there? I think it's one of the most beautiful places in our country. I mean, just gorgeous, breathtaking views. You hike up into the cliffs that overlook the water. And this just happened to be an unusually clear day for San Diego ocean water. And no exaggeration, we're hiking along the top of the cliffs and we look down, we see not one, not two, not three, but five sharks swimming near the shore. Now, in case you are doubting me right now, I have seen dolphins at the ocean more times than I can count. Dolphins and sharks do not swim the same way. These were sharks. Do you think there is any chance I am getting in that water anytime soon? The answer is no. But here's what's kind of crazy, and I'm gonna call myself out on this. I'm not getting in the water in San Diego, but you take me where the water is warm and clear, and all of a sudden, I'm trusting the sharks. It doesn't make any sense. One of my favorite things to do, I think I've done it three times now, is to snorkel, but the water has to be clear. I have to, I mean, this is perceived trust, perceived comfort and safety, but I think I need to see what's coming at me. I mean, it doesn't always hold up, but I feel safer if I can see. I feel safer if it's not dark and murky and cold. And so there's a question that I want us to consider today about trust. And the question is, can I trust God? What does that look like? Have we even considered that question? For some of us, maybe not, because maybe we've grown up in a space where it wasn't okay to admit that we were struggling to trust God or to consider what it would look like if we didn't feel like we have this high sense of trust in God. Maybe we didn't know that that was okay to even think or wonder or consider. My spiritual director is named Jean, 
And if you don't know what that is, it's essentially someone who is there to be a pastor and a mentor to me. She teaches at Fuller Theological Seminary, and she and I have been meeting together once a month for almost three years. She is a faithful guide in my life, someone who is safe for me, someone who helps me to see things uh, in my own story, in my own experience that sometimes I am not willing or even able to see for myself. And I think we all need those people in our lives. And it wasn't too long ago that I was sharing with her some of the things that I was experiencing and some of the difficulty and challenges that I was navigating. And as I finished some of my processing, she sat quietly for a moment, and then she gently and kindly asked me a question. And it's a question that I have returned to several times since then and will likely return to often over the course of my life. And the question was this. She said, Carissa, I wonder, is your truster broken? Now, she wasn't judging or condemning my experience and the way that I expressed it, but what she was helping me to do was to see clearly the reality that I was trying to communicate. And the gift for me in that moment was going, oh man, yeah, I think I am. I think I am struggling right now to trust God. I have all of these reasons of 20 plus years of stories that I can point to that remind me that God is trustworthy, but in this moment, in this story, in this situation, yeah, Jean, I think, I think I'm struggling right now to trust. And admitting that was so helpful. Admitting that to a safe person in a safe place was a helpful start, a helpful beginning to maybe coming back to a place where my truster wasn't so broken anymore. And so we, as we hold this question today, can I trust God? We're gonna look at a story in the Gospel of John where Jesus says something that gets him into a lot of trouble. But it sets us free. He gets in trouble and we get set free. This is our final sermon, our final week in the series. Jesus said, good job. I was a little nervous. You've done a fantastic job for Scott every week. I did not know how you would do for me, but I approve, thank you. I'm very grateful for that. So I'm gonna tell you a story from John chapter five. We're gonna do this a little bit different today. And so I'm gonna ask you maybe to do something that's for some of you maybe a little bit uncomfortable, maybe stretches you outside of your comfort zone a little bit. This is the first time I have actually brought my physical Bible with me on a Sunday morning in a really long time because normally the digital just works. As I get older, I find my eyesight is not as accurate, the little letters anymore. There's nothing special about it, but what we're gonna do today is the words to this part of the story are not going to be up on the screen. And the reason for that is I want to invite you to lean into your listening. The story, the words of the scripture were written to be heard, to be listened to. And as we read, and we are people who rely primarily on our eyesight, if we are seeing folks, um, sometimes we lose 
um, some of the benefits of our other senses, of hearing, of listening. And so as we read through the story, I might invite you, if you feel comfortable, to close your eyes and to really listen. Is there a word or a phrase that stands out to you, that grabs your attention? You might picture in your mind what the story looks like. You might find as you're listening that you find yourself in the story, experiencing it through a unique perspective. Maybe the perspective of one of the characters in the story. Maybe you find that you are a bystander or an onlooker watching the story unfold. Is there something that grabs your attention? And then as we listen, you may notice that it stirs something in you. Maybe there's a feeling that rises to the surface. And you're just gonna notice that. So we're gonna read the story together and we're gonna listen. We're in John chapter five, verse one. If you feel comfortable now might be a good time to close your eyes. So soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem near the sheep gate. In Jerusalem, there was a pool. In Hebrew, it was called Bethesda. There were five alcoves, hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed. They were there in these alcoves. Now this pool was significant in the first century and there was a reason that all of these hundreds of people were there, people who were blind and crippled and paralyzed and it was because they believed that when the waters of this pool were stirred, when they began to move, that the first person that made their way into the water would be healed. And so day after day after day, they were there and they were waiting and they were hoping to see the water begin to stir and then hoping that maybe they might be the first one to get into the water. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said, do you want to get well? The sick man said, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. That day happened on the Sabbath. The Jews stopped the healed man and they said, it's the Sabbath. You can't carry your bedroll around. It's against the rules. But he told them, the man who made me well told me to. He said, take your bedroll and start walking. You can open your eyes with me again if you close them. It's important sometimes to consider allowing ourselves to enter into these stories these stories of the life and the ministry of Jesus, and maybe to do it in a way that is different than what we would be used to or different than what we would be comfortable with. 
we're going to return to Jesus and the man by the end of the morning together because there are some pieces to that story that I think help us with this question of can I trust God? But we're going to continue with the story because here's the thing. It gets more intense. It gets more intense because these Jewish leaders, they find out not only that the man was healed on the Sabbath and then asked to pick up his bedroll and carry it, which was also illegal to do on the Sabbath, but eventually they find out who it was that did the healing. It was Jesus again. And I imagine they keep thinking, can he just stop doing this on the Sabbath? I mean, really, is there any other day of the week that he can heal people? He has six other days where it's legal, but he keeps choosing to do it on the Sabbath. And then he goes a step further and he tells the man to carry his bedroll. Now, I don't know for sure, but what I wonder is if Jesus was maybe drawing attention and picking a fight here because he didn't have to tell the man to pick up the bedroll. The man could be fully healed, fully walking, and it would have been okay. He wouldn't have really caught their attention. But to pick up the bedroll and then to be walking, many commentators think he was on his way to the temple to give thanks, completely grabbed the attention of the religious leaders at the time. I think Jesus kind of knew that that was going to happen. And so what winds up happening in John chapter 5 is you can almost imagine a courtroom scene where there has been a mistake according to Jewish law that has been made. There has been an accusation. And then Jesus begins his defense. We're going to spend time in a couple of verses today. But if you feel inclined, you can go home and read. Jesus, he really lays it out for him for several verses throughout the rest of John chapter five. We're gonna be in verse 17 and 18 today. Jesus is talking to them and it says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, it says, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. Okay, this is our, Jesus said, what, what, what moment? This one's big. They were really unhappy in this moment. You've heard us mention before that Jesus is the full expression of God. This is one of the moments in the scriptures where we see Jesus sharing this, declaring this. What he's saying here is if you want to know what God is like and how God is at work, watch me. Jesus is saying, I am the full expression of God. You, as religious leaders, he's saying to them, are so concerned with what God is like and what he is for and what he is against and what's okay and what's not okay and who's in and who's out. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, I have the authority. I am the full expression of God. Now, imagine if you are one of the religious leaders at the time. You are livid. This itinerant preacher who's performing some miracles, 
this man from a nowhere town shows up and he keeps breaking the religious law over and over again. And now he's inviting others to break the religious law. We won't talk today because we don't have time about how Jesus teaches the Old Testament scripture, but they were also pretty upset with the way he used his authority to shift some of those things around. They were seeing a man that they thought was putting himself on par with God. It's part of why they were so frustrated. But what we know and what we choose to trust and to believe was this was not a man choosing to put himself on par with God. This was God choosing to humble God's self and become a man and be here with us in our stories and in our lives. There's a significant difference there. We have lots of moments in the Gospels and even in the Apostles' writing in the New Testament that helps us understand Jesus is God, the full expression of God, who holds the authority of God. John 14, 19, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's a big statement. Pastor Brian Zond, I think, captures this beautifully. This idea of Jesus saying, watch me if you wanna know what God is like. If you wanna know how God is at work, watch me, I'm the full expression of God. This is what Brian says. He writes, Jesus is the one who shows us the face, the countenance, the disposition, the attitude of the Father. The Apostle John is very bold when he tells us, and now he's quoting John chapter one, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to know what God is like, if you wanna know how God is at work, watch me. And man, it made the religious leaders angry. But today what we wanna talk about is how it sets us free. And so we go back to this question of, can I trust God? What does that look like? What does that even mean in our lives today? Well, I believe that we can trust God because God chose to enter into our story. For me, this has been tremendous. This this trust, this belief that God chose to take on flesh. God chose to become human. In John 1, it says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood and entered into our story, became like one of us. I want you to think for a moment about a boss or a coach, or a teacher that made a significant difference or impact in your life. Someone who was not just there to make sure that you or the team were successful, but someone who managed to enter into life with you. Someone who didn't just care about your success, but they seemed to care about your whole well-being. Someone who was sympathetic and empathetic 
to what you were experiencing, someone who was encouraging, someone that you just knew wanted the best for you. Even if they needed to speak some difficult feedback or truth into your life, there was just a knowing, like this person is in it with me. Maybe they were the kind of coach or teacher or boss who was willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work with you or train with you or figure out the problem with you when you needed it. I don't know who does this better than our teachers. Man, our teachers are incredible humans. And I got to see this lived out this week. Now, it's the month of May. And if you have kids who are in school, you have no life in the month of May. Anybody with me? Anybody else been to 425 school or sporting events this month? Yep. Playoff games, band concerts, award ceremonies, field trips, all the things. It's all good. This week, we were at a band concert. My daughter is in seventh grade, and I've watched her band teacher interact with her students at several concerts now, and you can see that there is this mutual respect between her and the students, a mutual enjoyment. You can tell that she enjoys her students, her students enjoy her. There's a trust that has been built there. Well, we got an email a couple of weeks ago that she is not going to be continuing at this school in the fall. And now we're back at the concert this last week. Seventh and eighth graders are on stage. It's full. Finale has just concluded. She walks from the center of the stage over to the side of the stage so that the parents in the room can applaud for the students. And do you know what happened? the seventh and eighth grade middle school students gave their teacher a standing ovation. And they honored and celebrated the way that she has invested in their lives. And then, <laughs> I love this, they went and stole the microphone from her and used their words to tell her about the ways that she has invested in them and encouraged them and shown up for them not just as a band teacher or a musician, but as a leader and a coach. This was a picture, a metaphor of the way that we are Christ to the world around us, to the people around us. A great example. And I know teachers in this room, I'm seeing your faces right now. You are that for your kids. Teachers here at Rancho Christian who every day are that for their kids. This is a picture, a glimpse of what it means that Jesus took on flesh and entered into our stories. But trusting God is not always simple. Man, it sure isn't easy. I don't know about you, but there are moments for me when it has been scary and even terrifying, fuzzy, certainly not clear cut. So where does it leave us? Where does that leave us? Well, I think today what I want us to consider is that we, when we struggle to trust God, we can look to Jesus. Now, I want to be careful because sometimes that can feel like an empty spiritual platitude. 
And I have experienced that before. When you're struggling, when you're going through something difficult, when life feels uncertain and dark and murky and you have no idea what's coming and someone just says, trust Jesus, you'll be fine. God's got you. And you're like, um, thanks, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I want us to dig a little deeper under the surface of this. At the surface level, it doesn't feel like enough. But if we dig a little bit deeper, I think we'll discover some things that might help our truster. You see, if we begin to trust and believe that Jesus truly is the full expression of God, that if we wanna know what God is like and how God is at work that we watch Jesus, well, can we take some time this morning to watch him? I want us to go back to the story of Jesus and the man and I want us to look at some things that I think help us to see what God is like and to see how God works. And I think those are some of the things that help us discover and learn that yes, we can trust God. And so what do we notice about him in the story? What is he like? How is he at work? These are some of the things that we want to begin to pay attention to when we read these stories about Jesus. Who does he spend time with? Where does he focus his attention? So the first thing that we notice in the story, can you go back to the story? Can you picture with me the alcoves? Can you picture with me the people? Can you picture with me the hundreds of people that are present, that are there? I think one of the things that we notice is that when we feel alone, he sees us. There were hundreds of people in the alcoves that day. Nameless, faceless people. Jesus sees the one. The one who had felt overlooked. The one who felt like even in a crowd full of people, no one truly saw him. And I wonder if any of you have ever felt that way before. I'm in a crowd of people, I'm in a small group of people, I'm in a room full of people, and I don't know if anybody sees me. I don't know if I'm truly known. I don't know if anybody would get me. And what we see in Jesus in the story is he does. When we feel alone, he sees us. He knows our stories, he knows us inside and out. He sees us. The second thing that we see in the story is that when we suffer, he is with us. When we suffer, and we will, we're humans living this life and there's lots of joy and lots of goodness and there's also really difficult things that happen. What we see here is when we suffer, Jesus is with us. Time and time again in the Gospels, we see Jesus going towards those who were hurting, moving towards those who are suffering. I want to speak to maybe some of you for just a moment. This last week, as I was thinking through the scripture and writing and, and just imagining maybe what today could look like, there were a few stories that just kept playing over and over again in my mind. And they go a little bit something like this. So those of us who are honored to serve as pastors, we get to hold your stories. 
And so what that means is I haven't earned the right to hear your stories, but oftentimes you'll come in and you'll sit down with me and you'll share things with me that you haven't shared with anyone else, that you don't feel comfortable enough or safe enough to share with others. And so I'm honored to carry stories. And the stories that were in my mind this week are the ones of those who have come in and they've said, Carissa, I made a mistake. And my life now is falling apart. I made a choice and it blew up my family. I made a choice and I lost my job. I made a choice and now I'm suffering and I think I deserve it. I made a choice and I'm suffering and I don't think I deserve to have God be with me. I don't think I deserve grace or forgiveness or new life or second chances. You do. It doesn't matter what has caused the suffering, God is with us because we see it in the life and the ministry of Jesus. He wasn't concerned about who caused the suffering. He was with us in the midst of the suffering, present with us always, whether we played a part in it or not. And so if that's part of your story today, this is true for you too. You don't get excluded from the grace and the love and the presence of God because you made a choice. And then the last thing that I think we see in the story is when we experience doubt and disappointment, he invites us to say yes to new life. Did you notice in the story, Jesus asks him a question. Do you want to be well? And did the man say, yes, yes, I do. I have all the faith in the world, sign me up. Did he say that? No. What did he do? He expressed doubt. He shared his disappointment in the way that his story had unfolded up until that moment. And it, did Jesus judge him for it? Did Jesus discipline him for it? Did Jesus correct he healed him anyways. And so for those of us that sometimes struggle, and with that comes doubt, and with that comes disappointment, it doesn't disqualify us. There is still an invitation there to new life every day, an invitation to say yes to whatever new life God is inviting us to. And here's the thing, it looks different for all of us, depending on our story and what's unfolding in our life. It often happens much slower than I want it to. It hardly ever looks the way that I thought it should or the way that I wanted it to. But somehow, by some miracle every day, there is a new opportunity to say yes to new life. Now, I can hear some of you thinking, Okay, Carissa, this was Jesus, historical Jesus, physical Jesus. Yes, that's the way that he showed up with people. But what does that mean now 2,000 years later? And I hear you. That's a fair question. What I want to invite you to consider is that we have the spirit of the resurrected Christ alive in us and all around us. The Apostle Paul writes that the Spirit of Christ is in whom we live and move and have our being. And so when we talk about Jesus seeing us and being present with us and inviting us into new life, we see it 
in the historical person of Jesus, we experience it because the spirit of Christ dwells and is alive within us and within you and you reflect that back to me more often than you may know. And so my question for us today is it, really, it's Jean's question, is, is our trust are broken? And maybe for some of us, it is. Maybe for some of us, it's not completely broken, but it's just, it's a little hit or miss. I want you to know that you're not alone. There was a time several years ago when I was struggling with a lot of anxiety. I was having panic attacks. Couldn't figure out why or where they were coming from. I know now, but it took me a while. In those moments, one thing that was helpful for me was to just pray a very similar prayer to someone in the Gospels. God, help me trust. Help me trust. It also took a community of people around me, great therapy, a great church family to work through that, but there was moments when my truster was broken. God, help me trust. Help me trust. And so part of why we gather together each week as a community is we remember and we remind one another when we read, when we listen, when we learn, when we sing, when we take communion. We remember that we can trust God because God has entered into our story. And I don't know about you, but I need my community sometimes to help me remember that. And what if this could be a place where it is safe to admit my truster is a little bit broken, where it's safe to admit I'm experiencing some doubt. I'm experiencing some disappointment. And I wanna pray and I wanna ask God to help me trust. May this be that kind of place. So Evan, we're gonna close with a song that talks about God's faithfulness, which is really just a fancy churchy word for trust. We're yes. singing about how God is worthy of our trust. Right. Yeah, absolutely. This song is, uh, is such a good song because it, it talks about these, it's called Promises, and it talks about these promises uh, that, that God makes to us and how we can trust in them because we look back at the past, at, at God's track record, if you will, and we see all the times that he has come through and he has been faithful and he has been trustworthy. So we know taking that into the future and seeing things that are coming ahead, we can say, based off your track record, which is 100%, I know that I can trust you with what's coming forward. Uh, and uh, the first time I heard this song was actually at a Rancho Christian uh, chapel, mm. the high school chapel. The kids on the team like loved this song. So they started singing the song. And, uh, and I was just like, this is such a beautiful song about God's faithfulness. And I was like, we're doing that. We got to do that. At, we're going we're gonna to steal this and bring it into the church as well. Um, but it is such a, uh, an amazing song speaking on that directly about how we can just, we can trust in God. His yeah. faithfulness uh, is so great and it's never ending. So. so we're gonna take a moment. There have been times when I've sung this song and it feels like a celebration because my truster is working. There have been other times when I have sung this song and it feels more like a prayer. And so however you want to engage with this this morning, you're welcome to. For now, we're gonna invite you to stay seated. We're gonna sing a couple of verses. I'm gonna come back out and we'll take communion together. And then we're gonna finish praying and singing this song together. All right, let's worship together.
Abraham, you're the God of covenant, faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, for us as a community to remember that God has entered into our story, that God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood of our lives. And Jesus is the one that invites us to remember by observing communion. You see, on the night that he was betrayed, he gathered with his community for a last meal and he said to them, he said, this, this bread, this is my body that is broken for you. Will you take this and eat it in remembrance of me? Will you eat the bread with me? And then he took the cup covenant poured out for you, grace and love and goodness, new life. Would you take this and drink in remembrance of me? And so Jesus, today we remember that you are Emmanuel, God with us. 
that we can trust you because you have entered into our story. And as we remember, God, will you help us trust? Help us to see you, to sense you in us and around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand together with us as we finish worshiping together? Come on. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope in firm foundation. He'll never Come on, let's declare that together. Say, I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope. Thank you for being in community with us. Thank you for moments when we can remember together the faithfulness of God, that God is trustworthy. If you need prayer today, you'll find some friends over here who would be honored to pray with you. If you have not met Scott and Jenny, they'll be over here. They would love to meet you. I want you to go and have a fantastic day. Thank you for being with us. <laughs>